0: Some it's just an emblem, a formality. It's a symbol that's been used so frequently. Many blessy men despise, though it's ancient, it abides a shrine to death that stands for life to me. There was a cross made for the Son of God at Calvary Two pieces of rough timber on a hill Through his hands and through his feet He took the nails for you and me Angels watched as he died for the Lord could have walked away, he chose the cross. You see why this old emblem is so dear to me. It stood for suffering, yet it brought us peace. It bridged the gap for men, offer cleansing for our sins. An icon that reminds us that we're free. There was a cross made for the Son of God at Calvary. Two pieces of rough timber on a hill. Through his hands and through his feet, he took the nails for you and me. Angels watched as he died for the lost. Though he could have walked away, he chose the cross. God forbid if I should ever let my memories fade, But forever keep the cross in view, for that's where I was saved. I was saved. There was a cross Cross Made for the Son of God At Calvary Two pieces of rough timber On a hill Through his hands and through his feet He took the nails for you and me Angels watched as he died for the lost Though he could have walked away he chose the cross, though we could have walked away, he chose the
1: cross. Praise the Lord, aren't we glad he chose the cross, amen? Take your Bible today, turn over to the book of Mark. Mark chapter 14, verses 3 through 9 today is what we're going to be looking at. And again, Memorial Day. Wow, what an amazing day to think that uh, of all the lives that were spent and given for the freedoms that we now possess, what a wonderful thing to have the liberties that we have in America. And with all of the uh, difficulties and all of the obstacles that uh, we as Americans face and all of the changes that come along here and there, the fact is, is we still, we have a wonderful great nation I'm, in my opinion, still the greatest nation on the face of the earth, right. and I'm glad I'm an American. I'm glad I live in the United States of America. Yeah. But you know what? Even more, I'm glad I'm a Christian, amen? Yeah. <clears throat> glad I'm saved and yeah. blood-bought. Yeah. But boy, I do. I thank all the men and women. I think about this, to, that memorial, you think about Memorial Day, it's a memory, isn't it? We're remembering the, the price that they paid, the sacrifices that they made. Well, this morning, we're going to <clears throat> kind of, kind of, I guess, springboard off of that thought and look at another memorial that we're going to find in the Bible. And here in the book of Mark, chapter 14, beginning in verse 3, we start to read about it. <clears throat> the Bible tells us there, And being in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious. She broke the box and poured it on his head. There were some that had indignation within themselves and said, Why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence, that had been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. And Jesus said, Let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For ye have the poor with you always, and whensoever ye will, ye may do them good, but... Me, ye have not always. She hath done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body into the burying. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. While sitting at Mead, a woman enters with an alabaster box of ointment. It's an ointment of Spikenard, the Bible says, very precious, very valuable. She breaks the box and she pours the ointment on the head of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not everyone in the room understands how precious this act was. Why? Well, because all they could see was the value of the ointment. They didn't realize how valuable Jesus was. See, therefore, they had indignation within themselves, and they found themselves saying, why was this ointment wasted? They said, well, it could have been used for something more important. It could have been used for something that's much more needy at this moment. My question is, more important than Jesus? So the murmuring begins, of course. They begin to carve her up like a turkey on Thanksgiving morning. I mean, she's a sitting duck. She's a cooked goose. She's being raked over the hot coals. And Jesus speaks up, and he says, let her alone. What reason does he give for this particular request? Well, he goes on to say, she hath wrought a good work on me. He then proceeds to share with them a universal truth, something that I do believe we forget sometimes. For ye have the poor with you always. Jesus points out that no matter what steps are taken, no matter how much time will elapse, you are always going to have the poor with you. He's not opposing He's not opposed to giving to the poor. He wasn't being critical of those who seek to help those who find themselves in financial hardship. He was just pointing out, he was just letting them know that they have many opportunities and will have many opportunities to assist those in need. However, he would not be with them much longer. Then he makes an amazing prophecy or promise. Look, if you would, in verse 9. He says, Verily I say unto you, Wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. Now, the word memorial simply means that which preserves the memory of something. It means anything that serves to keep in memory. Did you get that? For just a moment, I want you to think about this. Now, we're going to slow down just a little bit now. I want us to all just kind of let our minds, just clear our minds and clear our schedules for just a few moments this morning. Because I believe today that found in these words is a tremendous truth, a very valuable and important truth from the very lips of our master. And I want to share this principle with you today. It's simple. It's not complicated, but it is life-changing if we can just wrap our minds around it and embrace it. And so I want to have a word of prayer, and then I want to consider this principle, and I want to preach this message that I've entitled, Is What You Are Doing Today Worthy of Being Remembered Tomorrow? Father, we come to you. We ask, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts and work in our lives. We thank you for these that have gathered, but we thank you, Father, for just the liberty and the opportunities that we have because of the sacrifices many have made on our behalf through these years. We thank you for our nation and for the men and women who gave their life to make it what it is. We ask that This morning, you'd walk these aisles, you'd speak to our hearts, and may you truly inspire us and even change us as necessary. We need you. And Lord, if there be any that have yet to receive and accept Jesus, may they be saved even this morning by inviting him into their life. We'll thank you, we'll praise you in Christ's name, amen. So let's review for a moment. What we have here then is we have Jesus having dinner at Simon's house a woman enters in with a very expensive and very precious ointment. She breaks that box of ointment, pours it upon his head. The guests, of course, become indignant toward this particular woman for wasting such valuable ointment, for giving it or wasting it on Jesus instead of on the poor. He comes to her aid, and he finally tells them, let her alone. He would explain that they will have plenty of time to assist the poor, but he'd be gone soon. Then he shares this remarkable promise. Wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. What prompted such a response? I mean, what compelled the Lord Jesus to make this statement? How is it that he could... <clears throat> Say in, in in that in just that short statement, guess what? <clears throat> I want you to realize that this woman is going to have a remarkable legacy. Why? Why is such a remarkable legacy? Why such a remembrance? Verse 6 gives us the answer. She hath wrought a good work on me. That is the answer. I mean, did you get that? I mean, do you see that? Do you see what I saw? She hath wrought a good work on me, the Lord Jesus said. Why is her name going to go down in infamy? Why in the world will she be remembered for not only this lifetime, but forever? How come it is that whatsoever this gospel shall be preached or wheresoever throughout the whole world, that this woman will be remembered? Why is it that after my life ends, why is it after your life ends, this woman will still be remembered? Why has it been 2,000 years since she... She did what she did, that we're still talking about it today. I'll tell you why. Because Jesus says, she hath wrought a good work on me. Because what she did, she did for the Lord Jesus Christ. What do we know about her life? What do we know about her? Well, let's see. When was she born? Anybody know the date she was born? Uh, And and, and does anybody know the day she died? I mean, is there a tombstone that we can go back and look at? Is there a date on it that would tell us when she passed? Maybe it'd tell us when she was born and then when she died. But I don't know. I don't know where it would be Do you. Did she have a husband? Did she have children? I I mean, she probably at some point had a husband. I mean, likely, She have children? Probably. I don't know that for sure. I wonder, was she a good wife if she was married? You know what I mean? Was she a good wife? Would would her husband stand up in a crowd like this and say, oh, I want to testify that my wife was a wonderful wife. I wonder if her children, if she had children, would stand up and tell us, oh, man, my mom was the best mom ever. I wonder if she was kind to people. I wonder if she did good deeds and tried to help people in every opportunity and every turn. I wonder if she gossiped or didn't gossip. I don't know. I wonder if she was involved in her faith. I wonder about a lot of things. But you know what? I don't know any of them. I wonder if she cooked and cleaned I wonder a lot of things, but you know what? We're not even given her name in the passage. But you know what? We'll never forget her. We'll never forget her. You want to know why? She has wrought a good work on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why. That's the only reason. Did you get that? That's the only reason we'll remember her. Because what she did for Jesus Christ, I won't remember because she was a good wife. I won't remember because she was a good person. I don't remember because she was, she was kind to people or nice to folks or benevolent and giving. No, I don't remember for none of those things. You know, the only thing that I remember her for is what she did for on behalf of Jesus Christ. That's it. That's the only reason. And by the way, that's the only reason the Lord Jesus Christ said we'd remember her. He didn't say we'd remember for any other reason except that he had been showered upon, poured upon by this precious ointment. And she's the one that did that good work to him and for him. See, you and I do a lot of things in this life. We can do a lot of things in this life. But what we pour upon Jesus is what will be remembered forever. We can do many things in this life that will impact the present. But when we're gone, our name will fade. Monuments will decay. Buildings will burn. And our memory will be lost in the busyness of life. The only thing that will last is what has been poured upon Jesus Christ. See, our memory only lasts as long as the one who we poured upon does. You get that? Our memory only lasts as long as the one who we poured upon does. Let me me explain that. You know, my mom, she poured and continues to pour love, kindness, and care upon me and my brother's. You know what? As long as I live, I promise you this, as long as I live, unless I get Alzheimer's or something where I just don't remember anything, the fact is is that as long as I live, I will take her memory to the grave. I will remember my mother for the investments she made in my life. I'll remember my mother for the sacrifices she made in my life. I'll remember my mother because of what she did for me. I, I have a dad that provided and protected and invested in me as a person. He still inspires me to this day. You know what? I'll never forget my dad. I'll never forget my dad because of what he does for me, what he's done for me, and probably what he'll continue to do for me. And as long as I live, as long as I have breath in my body, as long as I have a brain cell in my mind that works properly, I promise this, I will remember my dad. Years ago, I uh, <clears throat> I finished high school, and it's been a few years, and uh, <clears throat> I went to what was called adult vocational school. I went downtown Akron, and I took a, a, a program on welding, and I wanted to get certified, state certified in welding. And, and I took those classes, and I went down there after work every day, and I rode my my bike to work and rode back home and I, rode, I would go down to this place and I would uh, take my welding classes and courses and do all of those things. Man, I'll tell you what, I, I got involved in that and I started doing the testing and I was passing those tests and having opportunities to potentially to get a job and what I found was is that the jobs that were being offered weren't making a lot of money back in those days. As a matter of fact, it was hard to even get a job that had any future at all when I graduated high school. And I still remember uh, doing that overhead welding and stuff, and sometimes what they called, with a stick welding at that time, and, 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 and it would create what was called flux, and that flux would drop down, and that flux was like red hot at times, and it would fall down the back of my neck, and I'd be like doing a dance. I mean, you, they have, this modern dancing has nothing to, on me. I was all over the place. And, and, and it was hot, and it was smelly, and I'd go home and have to clean up because there'd be like streaks and so forth on my face because I wasn't even the best welder, but even the best welders could get pretty dirty, and I got thinking, this isn't for me. I need a desk to kick my feet up on and lean back and relax and make lots of money. So I went to college. Went to the University of Akron. And there I began courses, and I, I was taking all these classes. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't take it real serious, really. I should have taken it more serious, but I didn't. And, and, you know, after the first year, two semesters of going to that school, I found myself in kind of a bad place. I mean, honestly, my grades weren't holding up too well, and they were so, I guess, they were so um, mediocre that the dean wanted to talk to me. <laughs> Notice I used the word mediocre. It might have been a little less than that. And I remember him calling me in the office, and I'm sitting there, and he's talking to me about my first semester grades. And he's looking at this trend that went on into the second semester. And he asked me what I'd been doing for all those, sem- those two semesters. And I told him how I was learning how to play pool down there, and how I was a pretty good at Pac-Man, and, And he said, well, you're not doing too good in your studies, it doesn't look like. He said, unfortunately, we're going to have to put you on academic probation. And I said, you can stop right there. He went, what are you talking about? I said, that sounds a lot like getting fired from a job. And may I tell you, I've never been fired from any job in my life. Guess what? I stood up and I said, I quit. You don't have to put me on nothing, buddy. I quit. Out the door I went, down to the recruiter, and off to the army I went. <laughs> you know, when all else fails, go in the military. <laughs> there weren't any jobs anyway. I mean, it wasn't like I could go out and get a meaningful job. It wasn't like I could go out and get something that I could build my life on at that time. So I thought, well, I don't want to just waste time. Might as well go in the military. Then I'll get some school for school. I'll get money for school. Now, I don't know. That didn't make a lot of sense, did it, after what I'd just gone through? But I knew. You ever do, th- you ever do something and you knew you could have done better, but you didn't? Oh, I knew I could have done better. So I go off to the military. I go down to my basic training. I go to my AIT, what's called advanced individual training. And, and, and of course, I get through those cl- uh, those, those, uh, that schooling and all of that training perfectly fine. I'm doing good. I I go off, they ship me off to Nuremberg, Germany, where my first duty station is. And in Nuremberg, Germany, I I found a place in the communications uh, outfit. It wasn't long before they were finally saying, listen, uh, the the, the regimental uh, uh, communications officer needs somebody to help him in the office. And I went, that's for me. So off to the office I went, 12 hours a day, six days a week. I worked there. Every guy, all the guys are off. I'm still stuck working. But you know what? I love my job. I met a woman there by the name of Sarah St. James. Sarah St. James had graduated from, I think it was Penn State, and she had a, she had a, a, a computer science degree. We're talking back in the 80s. She had a computer science degree, and she was over the, all the computer system in the entire uh, regimental headquarters. And since I was working there with the communications officer, that fell under communications because it was back and forth. So she worked in the office with me, and her and I worked directly together. She, she was a, an amazing young woman, and she taught me a lot of things about computers. She taught me about just life in general. Let me tell you something. She was, I don't know how old she was. She seemed ancient to me, but she wasn't. I'll guarantee you that. But she had a lot of wisdom, this Sarah St. James did. And you know what she did? She invested in me. You know what she did? She taught me things. And then she entrusted really things of importance into my watch care. She required me to be responsible and to deal with things and to to really work at things. And before it was over with, she would go on vacation, and guess what? I had to do her job. It was amazing how just her believing in me and how her saying to me things she'd say my dad always told me life's like a toolbox like what life's like a toolbox mark you fill it with all the tools you need and you'll 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 always be able to you'll always be able to build whatever you want in life you'll be able to do anything in life if you just put the right tools in the box and I was like hmm awesome Now listen, I had heard some of those things before. Not that specifically, but my dad, my mom tried to teach me all the right things, and they did. And I heard it from other people in my life. But there was something about Sarah and how she she trusted me and how I was put in a position where I had to learn and I had to do certain things. And I remember her telling me one day, she said, Mark, I'll be honest with you, I don't believe there's one thing you could ever attempt that you couldn't do if you put your mind to it. If you really worked at it, Mark, I think there's not one thing you couldn't do if you really worked at it. And I thought, yeah. Yeah. I believed it. See, I had a real problem in my life. You want to know what my problem was? I was afraid of failing. I was afraid if I gave my very best to anything, I would fail. And if I failed... It would say, you're a failure. If I gave my best to to arranging this plan and it turned out bad, I'd feel like I'm a failure. I gave my best, but it wasn't good enough. And so you know what I would do? I just wouldn't give my best. I kind of approached it kind of like, yeah, I'll do a good job. I'll do what it takes to get by. But that's not how you really get by in life. That's not how you succeed in life. Oh, you may coast through life, but you don't exceed. You, you don't succeed in life unless you give your best. Matter of fact, it, it, it's not biblical to do anything but give your best. Whatsoever of thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might, for there's no work, no device, no wisdom, nor knowledge in the grave, whither thou goest. And so I decided I'm going back to school now. I'm going to be a computer science major, or I'm going to teach computer science at school, one or the other, but I'm going to learn computer science and I wanted to be a teacher, and I wanted to be a football coach, and I wanted to do all these things. I went back to school, and it was a different story. I put forth effort, and you know what? I excelled. I did fine. I did well, because I did put forth the effort should. And young people, let me tell you something. The temptation will be not to give your best for fear of failing, but you give your best, and wherever you land, it will be success. Can I tell you that I'll never forget Sarah St. James either? Oh, I have a wonderful mother and I've got a great dad and I'll never forget them because of the investment they made and they continue to make in my life. Sarah was only there for a short time, maybe a year or so, but her investment in that year made an impact in my life and I'll never ever forget her for that. But I'm going to die one day and the memory of Sarah St. James will go away with me. I'm going to die one day, and the memory of my parents will go with me. Oh, you say, but other people? Yeah, those they invested in will remember them, but once they're off the scene, they too will for their names will be forgotten. In Genesis chapter one, verse one. The Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. See, the things that will last are what we have poured upon Christ. Why? Because he's eternal. You can't do anything for God. You can't do anything on behalf of God and it not be remembered forever and ever and ever. Why? Because he is forever. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. If we go over to the book of Colossians, turn there, would you please? Colossians chapter one, verse 15 and 16. We learn a very important truth about creation and the creator. Notice what it says. And I turn here often, but it is such a foundational principle. It goes on to say in Colossians 1:15 and 16. And again, if you, you could see Genesis 1, 1 in your mind's eye here, all the way on the left side of the stage. And all the way over, on the right side of the stage, you, you can then see Colossians chapter 1. Let me tell you, the two are connected with a string. If you wanted to, you could almost put, you know, like when people get married, they have those big things like this, whatever those things are called? huh? Trellis. trellis. I never called it that, but, but I'm sure that is the correct name. Because Brother Cavanaugh knows a lot of stuff. A trellis. You could put a trellis that connects the two of those together. They are inseparable. So even though they're separated by many books of the Bible, they're connected. Notice what it says here in Colossians. Remember, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Okay, how's that connected to Colossians 1? Who is the image of the invisible God, speaking of Christ, the firstborn of every creature. For by him, Jesus Christ, were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions, or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. Everything was created. In the beginning, God created. But way over here in Colossians, we have this passage that connects the creator and the creation to Jesus Christ because he is God and he is creator. And may I say that because he is God and creator, we know something very important. In the beginning, God. That means there was no beginning for Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, we learn later on in the book of Revelation, we learn that that I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come. The Almighty, we learn that He is forever. He is not only before time, He is after time, and He lives forever. And He's always lived. Therefore, When we have this little lady over there, in the book of Mark, that hath wrought a good work on Jesus, he says, I want you to understand something. What she has wrought on me, what she has poured upon me will never, ever be forgotten. And I'll tell the story over and 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 over over again. Can I tell you, you can do a lot of things in life and so can I. But the only things that will be remembered forever are those things that we've poured upon Jesus Christ. I'm a good husband. Are you doing that for Jesus? Are you doing that for you? I'm a good wife. you doing that for Jesus? Or are you doing that for you, ma'am? Well, I'm a good mother. I'm a good father. Hey, that's good and you ought to be. But I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of good moms and dads that not only will split hell wide open, but as believers, they'll go to the glory and they'll have done it all for their own good and their own sake. They didn't do it for Jesus. They did it for themselves. And it won't be remembered. It'll be like this world that's burned up by fire. It'll all be gone one day. Again, we can do a lot of things, but it's what we pour upon Jesus Christ that'll be remembered forever. We can do a lot of things that impact our present world, but after we're gone, our names going to fade. The monuments will be will decay, the buildings will burn, and our memories are going to be lost upon those whom we've poured upon. Is what you're doing today worthy of being remembered tomorrow? I mean, really, think about what you're doing today with your life. Is what you're doing today worthy of being remembered tomorrow? We think about Memorial Day and we consider the sacrifices that have been made by soldiers throughout history in the United States. We think about the men and women who gave their lives so that we can enjoy the liberties and the freedoms that we now possess We remember that because it affects our life directly. We remember them because of the investment they made in our lives today, even though they made them years ago. But can I tell you that if our nation goes like every other nation on the face of the planet has gone, there'll come a day when no one will remember their sacrifices. And maybe every once in a while someone will pick up a book that will have something to do with that nation that used to be America. And there were people who literally gave their lives for that nation. Do you know how many people are even going to be reminded of that in another 100, 200, 300, maybe 400 years from now if God tarries this coming? Do you know anybody... It was a Roman soldier that gave their life for their nation. What's their name? And don't give me some general. Just talk to me about people like us. You won't be remembered. No one's remembered. The only thing that's going to make us memorable, the only thing that's going to keep our memory alive is to pour it upon the one who lives forever who can't forget because he's going to be there forever. We spend our lives trying to please people. We spend our lives trying to make a difference in the world we live. We're trying to bring in the millennium on earth today. My friend, that's not going to happen. And the truth is the poor will be with us always. And there's always going to be hurt and heartache. And the fact is no matter how much you invest your life in others, no matter how much you do for this world, the fact is is that it will fade and it will falter and it will fail and it will go away and it will be dust one day. But Jesus Christ is alive and he lives now and he'll live forever. And if you'll pour your life, your energy, your effort. If you give your best to Jesus, it'll never, ever, ever be forgotten. Ever. We waste our days. We waste our hours. We waste our energy. Who was this lady? Someone says, well, that was Mary. You can have that opinion. Tell me a little bit about her life. I'm not even convinced it's necessarily her. Tell me about her life, please. Tell me something about her family. Tell me something about her personality. You can't. The only thing that Jesus promised would be remembered was that for what she did to him and for him. And You know what? The only thing that you're going to be remembered for is what you have done on behalf of Jesus Christ. In 1 John chapter 2 verse 15, turn there, would you please? As they say we're coming in for a landing. In chapter 2 of 1 John, verse 15, the Bible says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now skip to verse 17. I don't do that because the next verse isn't important. I just, it's, it, this helps to bring the impact. Notice again, love not the world, neither the, in, the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And the world passeth away and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God, watch, abideth forever. Listen, if you're going to abide forever, guess what? Your memory will too. But it's going to be doing the will of God. C.T. Studd made this statement, Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And may I say that as a biblical principle. The question again is simple. Is what you're doing today worthy of being remembered tomorrow? You say it is. I'm investing in my family. You better be doing that on behalf of Christ because if it's just your family you're investing in, friend, you will be forgotten. I'm, I'm, I'm working at the church if you're just doing it so that you can feel good about yourself, so that others think you're a good person, if you're not doing it on behalf of Christ and Christ alone, whether you get a pat on the back or not, my friend, you're going to be forgotten. It won't be remembered. If you aren't doing it for Jesus, if you're not giving or pouring upon him the most precious things in your life, if you're not giving him those things that are most valuable to you, my friend, am not trying to be mean or nasty, but they'll be forgotten. She poured upon him that valuable, valuable ointment I don't know how long it took her to accumulate it. I don't know what it cost her. I don't know if someone gave it to her. I don't know any of that. But what I do know is that those in the room that day knew that it was precious. They knew that it was expensive. They knew that it was valuable. And my friend, you can give God all that petty little junk in your life you want, but until you give him the things that matter most and are most precious to you, he won't remember you either. You gonna give him your children? Say, God, whatever you want to do, let him. You do it with him. You want him to be a missionary in a foreign field? Fine. You want their lives? Fine. You want my? Here's my wife. Here's my husband. Here's my, my health. Here's my my money. Here's my finances. Here's everything. God, I give it all to you. I pour it upon you today. I think today, what God really wants from us. Is us. You know what's most precious to God? What what He wants us to pour upon Him? Us. You know what we want to give Him? A little time. We want to give Him a little money. We want to give Him a little bit of our talent. We want to give Him a portion of our family. We want to give Him pieces and parts. But He says, you know what? You know how you'll be remembered by me? You know how you'll be remembered forever? Give me all of you. Just pour your life out on me. Surrender yourself wholeheartedly. Give yourself completely to me. Spend yourself on me. And like this woman, you'll never be forgotten. Is what you're doing today worthy of being remembered tomorrow? wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her what prompted that response what compelled Jesus to honor this woman with such a remarkable legacy the answer she hath wrought a good work on me how offended would you be today if I said you know what I'm going to obey this book, the Word of God, but hold on, throw that one out, throw that out, throw that out, I'd look at it from the side and it would be half the thickness. Now instead of that, it becomes that. How impressed would you be with my adherence to the Word of God, with my sacrifice of obedience to the God, to the Word of God? You wouldn't be, because it would be on my terms, right? This book represents your life. What part of it will you not give to him? What part will you tear out and keep to yourself before you present it? Honestly, I don't think God's impressed with a pieces and part book or a pieces-in-part life he wants the whole life. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is, your, which, is your, which is your reasonable service. He's not asking us to do anything that is unreasonable. He says your whole life. Pour it upon me. Let me have it all. That's what we need to give him. All of it. Is what you're doing today worthy of being remembered tomorrow? He's the only one that's going to live forever. Outside of those that name his name. Can I tell you the memories that I remember, of those that I love, those that I've interacted with in this world. They'll go to a grave with me. But whatever's been done on his behalf, it'll last forever, remembered forever. It'll be a memorial to her. and It'll be a memorial to you too. Let's pour our life, our all, on the altar today. Let's give our all to Jesus Christ today. Let's stop holding back pieces and parts. Let's stop pretending that what we're doing is always for him when in our heart we know we haven't given our whole to him. Maybe you're lost today without Jesus Christ. You say, lost? Yeah, it's kind of like this. The picture is this. There's darkness all around us. This world, the Bible says, according to chapter 3 of John, is in darkness. And basically you are wandering through the darkness You you don't recognize that. You don't realize that because you see with physical eyes. But the spiritual world in which we live, it's a dark world we live in. And the Bible says that we are navigating through life in darkness. When you recognize yourself in darkness and a sinner in darkness, and you cry out to Jesus Christ who is the light of the world, the moment you ask him to forgive you, to save you, to come into your life, that moment, the lights turn on. And you can finally see life for what it's supposed to be. You can finally realize what's really important, what's really a priority now. You're not hoping, you're not guessing, you're not wondering, you know. Because the lights have been turned on and His Holy Spirit moves into your life. And he illuminates you and enables you to understand this precious book and to apply it properly in your life. And it will guide you and it will lead you and it will direct you into success. I'm not talking about necessarily financial. I'm talking about spiritual success. I'm talking about love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law, he says. I don't know about you, but I want Jesus, the light of the world, in me. And a number of years ago, I invited him in. I've not lived a perfect life since, but I have served a perfect Savior. and He forgave me. Oh, I'm not perfect, but I'm forgiven. You know what? He'll forgive you. He'll forgive you and save you. He'll turn the lights on. And he'll change your life. But you have to admit you're a sinner Guilty of the punishment of sin. Eternal separation from God. And accept that if you don't allow him to pay the payment, you'll have to pay it. And then make a choice to let him pay it by doing what the Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Won't you trust him today? Won't you receive him as your Savior? Won't you allow him to turn the lights on today and change your life forever and change your eternity? Is what you're doing today worthy of being remembered? Why don't we pour ourselves out on the altar of sacrifice today and give our best our all to Jesus Christ without reservation not everyone will understand that in our families among our friends and acquaintances but he'll remember and we'll be remembered forever because of it Father we come to you We ask for your leadership. We thank you for your love. We just ask that you'd speak to our hearts. Lord, maybe there's folks here today as well as on the live stream that recognize that they've been holding something back. They've been giving God pieces and parts of their life, not completely yielding it. Lord, we want to be remembered. Not not for the sake of just being remembered, but we want you. We want to lavish our lives upon you. We want to give you our very best today. At least I pray we all do. Lord, if we'll do that, we'll be remembered because you're eternal. You'll never forget what we've done. Our names will fade in time, but you never, never end. You're forever. What we lavish upon you, what we spend on behalf of you will be never forgotten but remembered forever. Father, maybe someone needs to come to an altar and say, Lord, I'm just going to sacrifice, surrender my all to you today. I want to fully surrender my life. No holds barred. I'm just going to give you my life because I want to pour the best that I have upon you. Give you my all today. Well, thank you. In Christ's name, amen. Let's all stand to our feet, every head bowed, every eye closed.